0: Chapter two Poor Pitiful Perry A heavy rain poured down over the Manhattan streets, creating small lakes of dirty water on the uneven sidewalks, and making each step down into the street a potentially treacherous one, as pedestrians tried not to sink into a pothole as they crossed the street. From out of the subway station Perry emerged in his long overcoat and baseball cap, his glasses fogged up from the heat of the subway station below. He was sopping wet and still had another seven or eight blocks until he reached his apartment building on Thompson Street in Lower Manhattan. He had, of course, not thought to bring an umbrella to the office this morning, and now his coat would have to be hung up in the shower to dry overnight in order to have something to keep him dry on tomorrow's commute. The sky flickered above him, and then a loud crack of thunder boomed, echoing across the buildings overhead. Then the rain came down even harder. Perry picked up his pace and started to jog down the sidewalk. He had not run in quite some time, and he imagined what a sight it must have been to all the other passers-by as they walked nonchalantly down the street, their umbrellas shielding them from what had now become a torrential downpour. The crosswalk hand was blinking red, and Perry took to a run, trying to make it across the street before the traffic light switched to green. He made his way through the crosswalk, splashing muddy water all over his pant legs, his glasses fogged over and filled with spots of rainwater. As he neared the opposite sidewalk, he suddenly felt his right foot go out from under him, and he fell forward. Extending his right forearm out, he was able to keep from landing flat on his face, but both knees hit the ground hard, and he tumbled forward, laying full out on the ground. Cars honked, Perry's vision blurred, and his arm was numb. There was more honking, and he heard indistinct shouting from the street. He felt two rough arms, one under each armpit, lifting him up. "'You all right?' a woman's voice asked. "'Here, take these,' she said as he felt someone place something cold in his left hand. "'My glasses,' he realized almost immediately. "'Of course, I must have dropped them when I fell.' Perry returned them to his face. "'Let's get you out of the street.' the woman in front of him said, before these cabs run us both over. The voice belonged to a tall blonde woman in a maroon raincoat. Perry detected only the slightest hint of a French accent in her voice. Hurry up, she urged him as she ushered him toward the sidewalk. Thank you, Perry replied as he struggled to get his bearings. Feeling was returning to his arm, which began to burn in agonizing pain. He wondered if it might be sprained looking down at his feet he saw his shoes scuffed and covered in mud the knee on one of his pant legs torn open a bit of blood staining the knee he returned his gaze to the woman who had helped him out of the street she was opening her umbrella and holding it up above her head looking across the street she seemed to be in a hurry do you need help or do you know where you are going she asked quickly embarrassed perry replied reassuringly no no i know the way just a few blocks down the street thank you again for your help "'She smiled and started across the street. "'No problem. Be careful,' she said with a quick wave, "'and she jogged across the street to wherever it was that she was going. "'Perry cradled his injured arm with his left hand and continued on home, "'now completely soaked, feeling every bruise and scrape in his body "'as he walked the last few blocks to his apartment. "'When he reached his address and climbed the four flights of steps up to his apartment, "'Perry was walking with a limp, and he was certain his wrist had been broken.' He had to use his left hand to open the two locks to his apartment, which proved to be more difficult than he would have imagined. But that was a cakewalk compared to what came next. Peeling out of his sopping wet clothes while only using one arm proved to be a feat of near Olympic proportions for poor old Perry. After a gruel and maddening 45 minutes, Perry had successfully changed out of his wet clothes, showered, bandaged his wounds, and slipped himself into a comfortable silk robe, a favourite green paisley one that Marjorie had bought him as an anniversary present. He couldn't remember which anniversary, their fourth or fifth, he thought, but he couldn't be sure. She had always given him grief for his inability to remember things like that, gifts, important marriage dates, special occasions. The irony was not lost on either of them, that for a man whose job it was to remember important things, people... "'faces, dates, codes, government secrets. "'He just couldn't seem to be bothered "'when it came to remembering the important things of domestic life. "'Perhaps, he had often thought, "'there was no room left for such trivial information "'after filling his head for so many years "'with such a great deal of important information. "'That, he had learned quite quickly, "'was not an argument that Marjorie, "'or anyone for that matter, wanted to hear. "'And now that he was in America,' His old life a thing of the past. It did not strike him as an excuse that would work with his new job. It was time to forget the things of his past and time to make his present his priority. If it was a new life he wanted, then the onus fell on Perry and Perry alone to create it for himself. That was, after all, what these people in the United States called their American dream. Chapter 3. Penderwinkle Phoned it was 7.35 a.m. and Perry was shuffling around his apartment trying to find his other blue argyle sock. He had been searching frantically for the last 15 minutes and was determined this morning to track down this missing piece of hosiery. He would not rewear the same pair of socks to work for a third day this week. It was bad enough last week when he had shown up in a stained suit with poorly patched holes in the knees of his pants... The look on Nesson's face when Perry limped in the day after his accident was a sight to behold. Whether it was the mean bruise on Perry's forehead, his sprained arm in a sling, or the stained and wrinkled suit he wore, Perry couldn't say. But Martin Nesson was beside himself. Try as he might to downplay the incident, soon Perry was the talk of the entire office. Nesson was convinced that Perry had been mugged on his way home, despite Perry's firm and frequent protestations. If his embarrassment wasn't enough, Nesson had Perry sent to the doctor to have his arm looked at. Upon his return, Perry had to endure the pitying smiles and pats on the shoulder from co-workers he'd known for less than a week. Any chance of the incident being quickly forgotten went away when Nesson and two other co-workers announced to Perry that they would sign his cast in a show of solidarity. Dear God, he thought, will this humiliation never end? Needless to say... Perry was now well known around the office. Perry one-arm, he'd heard a colleague say, when they thought he'd been out of earshot. It was all good-natured, he knew, but it did not help that he was a good 10 to 15 years senior of the next eldest employee. Grandpa Perry, he'd even heard one person call him. So, no, today he would not show up looking like he'd barely stumbled into the office, as if just getting there was an accomplishment, which it was, but they needn't know that. No more held doors... No more pitiful Perry. The clock was now at 7.42. He needed to be out of the house by 7.45 in order to catch his train on time. The phone on the kitchen counter rang. Perry paused. That was strange. The phone rang again. The office, he thought, what could they possibly want that couldn't wait another 15 minutes until I've arrived? The phone rang again. This time Perry answered. Yes, he said quite brusquely. There was an echo on the other end, as Perry heard his own voice repeat the word, but quieter. "'Hello?' he tried again. Only the echo of his own voice could be heard in response. Then two clicks came through from the other end, and the call ended. Perry held out the phone for a moment, then slowly lowered it down onto the receiver. Two clicks, he thought. A chill ran up Perry's spine. He tried to convince himself that it was merely a wrong number. The clicks at the end were coincidence.' And then the phone rang again. Perry stiffened. He could feel his heart beginning to beat faster. He raised the phone to his ear, cautiously. "'Yes, what is it?' he said, his voice now lower, slightly hoarse, the familiar echo of his voice repeating his question. Two clicks, and again the call was ended. Perry stared at the phone in disbelief. It was no coincidence. This time he was sure. The signal he had used a hundred times before now being used to contact him. Perhaps he had not escaped his old life entirely. This past, it seemed, was not quite through with Perry Penderwinkle. Not yet. Chapter four, Perry picks up. Perry sat at his desk, typing at the keyboard as he tried to erase the morning's incident from his mind. After he'd hung up a second time, he grabbed the closest sock in reach, threw on his shoes, "'and raced out the door as he heard the phone ring again. "'He did not stop to pick up this time, but raced to his train, "'hoping to ignore a problem that he knew would not soon go away. "'But the phone's ringing resounded over and over in his ears, "'an ever-present reminder of the morning's unwelcome disturbance. "'It had been a signal he knew, an attempt to contact him. "'Probably someone from the service. "'Cranley? Another colleague, perhaps? "'But why would they need to reach him?' And why not just call him up on the phone or write him a letter? Could it be that urgent, he wondered? Why all the cloak and dagger nonsense? Perry's phone rang. He stopped typing. Again, a chill ran up his spine. He turned around, standing up to face the large window behind him that looked out over the city. The phone continued to ring as he surveyed the skyline, the streets below, the small, ant-like people milling about in other high-rise office buildings blocks away. Was he being watched? He strained his eyes as he peered at a large conference room in another building about ten blocks southwest of his building. Two men and a woman in business suits were sitting at a large table as another person paced around the room giving some kind of speech or presentation. Perry watched them intently for a moment, imagining that some clue to his mysterious calls lay in whatever it was they were talking about in that far-off building. The phone continued its ringing, and Perry remembered himself. What nonsense, he thought. Penderwinkle turned back to his desk and sat down, picking up the phone as he did so. Yes, what is it? He blurted out in a tone far more agitated than he felt in the moment. Ah, good. I caught you. "'said a frantic voice that Perry immediately recognized. "'I was afraid you'd gone out for lunch. "'Perry, it's Martin Nesson.' "'Of course it was,' Perry thought to himself. "'Who else would it be?' "'He let out an audible sigh and lowered his head onto his desk. "'Yes, Martin, hello. What can I do for you?' "'Well, I'd like to set up a meeting with you for later this afternoon. "'I was thinking 3.30 would be best,' he stated.' You can head up to floor 47 and just check in at the front desk. Tell them you have a meeting with me and I'll let them know I'm expecting you. Very well, Martin. Three-thirty it is, Perry said. Anything in particular you're wanting to discuss? Just a friendly catch-up, Perry. I like to check in with all my new employees and see how they're settling in after the first few weeks, he said reassuringly. We want to make sure we're doing everything we can to make you feel as welcome as possible in our office. "'Well, thank you. I assure you I'm quite comfortable here,' Perry replied. "'No need to make a big fuss over me.' "'Hardly a fuss at all, Perry. "'I look forward to learning more about you, "'answering any questions you have "'and picking your brain a bit about your experience working here so far,' Nesson said. "'But I'm getting another call, Perry, so I'll see you at 3.30. "'Looking forward to it!' "'See you at 3.30,' Perry responded. "'Ciao!' Martin Nesson said, then hung up. "'Ciao, indeed.' Barry thought. Good riddance. This Martin Nessin was proving to be quite the unexpected nuisance.